Hey, this is Troy McLaughlin uh, from the Project Pastor Podcast. I'm with my friend James Prescott. He actually asked, asked me to do this introduction. Sorry, I'm stumbling over my words. You guys got to you guys got to at least listen to his podcast today. It's uh, James Talks, so you can actually say James Talks with whomever. And today it's just me. This is Troy, and uh, I'm just happy to be on with him today. Thanks, thanks for having me on, James. Hey, Troy. Yeah, great to have you here. Yeah, hi everyone. And uh, this is another episode of James Talks. Uh, my weekly podcast, and yeah, as you know, today I've got um, the awesome Troy McLaughlin, who is um, a good friend, but also a writer, a podcaster, an interviewer extraordinaire, um, and is also working on a book at the moment, and we're going to talk about all sorts of things today, uh, like uh, creativity, and writing, and podcasting, and faith, and all sorts of things. So um, yeah, Troy, welcome. Uh, It's great to have you here. Thanks for having me on, James. Great, great. So, yeah, just um, tell us a bit about your, t- your story. Well, if we went back to when I was a little kid, I'd, we, I'd live at the side of this lake and uh, played every summer. And uh, but let's 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 catch up. Um, uh, probably, I, I would say, you know, if we're going to talk about creativity and some of the things that are going on in my life now. Probably talk about three to four years ago. Um, you and I were in a class together. Um, you were in the inaugural class, and I was in the second class uh, called Tribe Writers. Yeah. And I would have never been to this point, at least in, in my writing journey and uh, my life journey, kind of uh, since Tribe Writers. And that's a Jeff Goins course. Uh, it's it's a current course that goes on today. And, this is a plug for Jeff. Neither one of us get paid by Jeff, but uh, it's a great class. And yeah. So that 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 was the kind of trajectory, you know, as far as my writing goes. I, I mean, I would never expect it, and this happened a couple months ago. I wrote a piece about writing, and <clears throat> because I know you and you know me, I struggle. Writing for me is a pain. It's just not one of those pleasure things. Uh, I enjoy the, uh, as Donald Miller says, I don't know who quotes this, but I enjoy the process of, ri- of already ri- ri- wrote something or written something as opposed to the writing process. It's painful. But like I said, uh, three months ago, I wrote this piece and I just talked about the internal critic and what I call the dude. And, uh, and, and, I wrote it for me, and I entered it into a writing contest, not intentionally. Uh, mm. That wasn't my intention to write it, and I ended up winning the writing contest, which was really weird. Mm. And I couldn't have—I couldn't have said that any of those things would have happened unless I would have, you know, gone through tribe writers, uh, and then, mm. you know, started a, a, a podcast. I have a great passion uh, for pastors and a, and a website called Project Pastor. In the states alone, fifteen hundred pastors leave ministry each month. Um, and that number could be going up. I mean, Ashley Madison Hack is just a perfect example of what uh, an attack is on, uh, on the ministry. And, mm. you know, some really terrible stories this last, this last yeah. week. There's a pastor who actually committed suicide. And um, grace and forgiveness is for everyone. And uh, if, if we even look in the, uh, well, the Old and the New Testament, there's only a couple uh, people that you can actually look at their lives that weren't just, you know, full of messes, like they weren't mur- murders or adulterers. I think Daniel is one of them. But you look at Paul, and Paul would be the modern-day equivalent of an ISIS officer, you know, running around killing Christians. And yeah, sure. I don't know, I don't know how many times that uh, he would, uh, or a- any church that would actually let him in his church today if, if, if he were a, a modern-day apostle. So that's a little bit of my story, and hopefully that's kind of led into maybe something else you wanted to ask me. Yeah, no, it's... Um... And I can recommend um, Troy's podcast, um, Project Pastor. 
Um, it's a fantastic podcast. Loads of great people have been on that podcast. Um, yeah, so how did you manage to get all these amazing people on? I mean, who have you had on and how did you get them to come on? Well, it's funny. Um, I, my intention wasn't to ever have a podcast. That wasn't my intention when I started. My intention was to, to write a book about um, pastors. and my, my first intention was, hey, I'm going to write this book about it came from let me go back it came from a conversation i had with a pastor mm. and he he had an interview in the midwest and he told me about the interview and after the interview one of the board members pulled him aside and said hey and the board member happened to be a really wealthy uh cattleman and and was was high in the uh like community eye and mm. had a lot of influence and 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 pulled him aside and said hey you're going to be taken care of you'll have a parish and you'll have plenty of beef and food and everything else but cannot um, roached these four subjects from the pulpit. I don't know. I don't remember what they were. So I went, wow, that's not how ministry should work. And so it kind of started me on this journey. I thought, you know, I'll write a book, interview the top 100 pastors in the country, which, which I look back and that was just kind of a pride thing. You can't even talk to those people normally. Uh, and yeah. so that kind of started. And then, so what happened was through that journey of discovery, I found out that we were losing this many pastors a month. And so, my first intent was just to talk to and, you know, uh, get a basis of interviews so I could learn what was going on and how to be a help. And it ended up turning into a podcast. And that wasn't, so it was kind of a meandering way to get there, mm. but that's how, it, and, and then I realized I really enjoyed interviewing and it was something I, um, I, 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 I do it without getting paid. So, and I enjoy it. So as opposed to writing, I, I, I enjoy the, the, you know, the end result of writing, but not the process itself. Mm-hmm. I actually enjoy the process yeah. of podcasting. So that's fantastic. So there you go. And then you asked the second question was how, how do you get guests? Um, you just gotta be, here's, here's, here's the funny thing. You gotta be bold enough to just ask. Um, and I've had some big no's, um, but I've also had some big yeses. One of my first interviews, and it wasn't literally my first, one of my first interviews was with Jeff with tribe writers. And that was kind of scary. It was sent, uh, on an email and that, Oh my goodness, did I say the right thing? And he, and I've been fortunate. I've interviewed him a couple of times now, but my first interview, you know, I would call my first interview on project passer. And, and that's the one that's come up is number one is Patrick Reagan. And he's a fellow Brit. He's a, he's a Londoner. He's just down the street from you. Probably. I know you're in Surrey. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, now if somebody's listening to this, you probably have no clue unless, unless they live, live where you guys live, but I just know you're in Surrey. I've seen it on a map before. So. Yeah. I mean, I'm quite uh, near, I'm quite near London. Surrey is very, I'm yes. about half an hour yeah. from the center of London. So yeah. it's my neck of the woods, you know? Yeah. So, so what happened was, is I get these Google alerts, um, on different subjects like mentoring and different things. So I can, you know, just get either articles or maybe, and so his name floated through and he has a ministry called XLP ministries. Mm, yeah, I and I found out about him. I, I somewhere I found, um, and he works with youth, um, troubled youth and, uh, he's, he just mentors youth. Uh, and so I found out it was an article. And so I found out about him and then I found his contact info and I sent him an email or, uh, and I think it, his assistant got it. And asked for an interview. That was it. I, and, and I and understand I didn't have it for the first 30 to 35 uh, interviews I had. I didn't even have an inter- I didn't have a website at all. My website wasn't created yet. I was doing interviews and it was pretty blind. Uh, you, if you Googled me, you probably couldn't find me. You probably found, you know, maybe the third page or something. But mm. so you can start, 
you can start anywhere. Uh, and if you ask, I think you're sincere. Uh, a lot of people want to tell their stories. Um, Patrick is, uh, you know, and looking back, Patrick's much bigger than I ever thought he was until I interviewed him and just realized, you know, what he did. So, like I said, I, I fired off this email, I got a response and they, and said, Hey, you know, when would you like to do the interview? So the day of the interview, this is kind of funny. I get a hold of them and they realize that I'm not from London. They thought initially thought I was from London or from the UK didn't mm-hmm. realize it was six in the morning and it didn't work out the first day, but they were still willing to accommodate me. And I think a couple of days later we had this interview and that's kind of how it started. Um, I, and I think he just, on any kind of creative thing or something like that, um, you know, starting is sometimes the biggest fear, right? The first word or whatever, or, you know, always an internal critic that says, this is going to suck. This will, yeah. why do it? It's not worth it. Nobody's listening. Well, yeah, nobody's listening anyway. So why not do it? Uh, and that's the thing. Um, you don't have to worry so much, especially early on, because there's a learning curve, and I'm still learning. I'm, I still, I had an interview just the other day with a, a man named William Vanderblumen, Blumen, Vanderblumen, uh, who wrote a book called Next on Pastoral Succession. And I don't do this very often, but I got in the middle of the interview, and I just, I couldn't remember what I was going to ask him. I remember in the back of my head what I was going to ask, and I got to talking, and the words got ahead of my question, and. And I just said that I said, man, I just totally, t- totally forgot. And I looked at my notes and went, okay, here's what it is. I and I actually said, I'll, I'll have to edit that out later. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so um, my now um, some of the biggest I want to say some of the biggest interviews. Here's a confusion that we have, and at least I and I had it too, is that we think the bigger the guest, the better the interview, most mm-hmm. of the time. Yeah, and that's typically that's. It, 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 it might happen that way, but it, um, it may not. Um, some of my best interviews have been with people that nobody would have known who they were. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think if you remember that the most important person is a person in front of you and listen to their story and what they, what they're talking about, what they're interested in, uh, because an interview is a conversation and have that conversation and listen to what they're saying and be really into what they're saying, uh, things will happen. Like I said, sorry about the dog. Hang on a second. <laughs> Cut that out for you. So at least give you a nice break. So, so, <clears throat> so like I said, that was my first big interview. Or, you know, I would call it big interview. I look back on it and, uh, the day that I had interviewed Patrick, Rig and um, he was going to talk with uh, CN, uh, what's your um, what's your British uh, big uh, TV station? Oh, BBC or I, BBC. It was it was BBC, and he was he was going to be interviewed by BBC later on in the day. Wow! And you know, through the interview, I found out he he either talked with almost everybody in Parliament at one time, or in, in front of the Prime Minister, and um, right. cool. Like and so. so so, so one of the other things is you just don't know someone's story. Um, I interviewed um, a few weeks back. It was this is kind of a cool story. Uh, there's a guy named Tony Chris, and he's written a couple books. Uh, uh, Neighbors and Wiseman, I think, is off the top of my head. The other one is Aloof. And one of his buddies that he went to actually school with in Portland, Oregon, is Donald Miller of 
of you know storyline blog and yeah like so those guys yeah. those guys have been friends for a long time they, they hung out together in college and he's uh, i guess in the i've never read blue like jazz but he was the the bar poet guy or whatever mm-hmm. what it's on the front of his book so so yeah. those guys were were good buddies and i was able to get an interview with tony um through another contact i had um uh, Shane Blackshear, he, who's a fellow podcaster and does a lot of stuff on faith, uh, called uh, Man, I think it's uh, Man on a Bike. Um, and forgive me, Shane, if you if you listen to this and and I get your <laughs> podcast wrong. So, um, and so, so I ended up talking with him, and then my my son and I were going to do a, a trip across the West. Uh, about uh, I thought it was going to be like thirty five hundred miles, and it ended up being four thousand miles. It, it was over two week period. We went wow. through, I think five or six States and drove. And so I told Tony, I said, Hey, I'm going to be coming through town, uh, Portland. And he lives in Portland right outside of Portland. And, uh, he invited me to his house. And so I actually interviewed him at his, uh, at his dining room table. So, uh, which is really cool. You don't expect those kind of things. And He's just got this really cool story. He lives in the, what he calls a communal household. He has another nine people that live in his house, uh, his family, literally his family, and then just others he's invited in. He's painted his door red, which mm-hmm. in the olden times signified to a traveler who came into town that this was a place that was welcome to come in and spend the night, and there would be a you know like a warm house and, and a warm meal or. Mm. In a bed. Yeah. He just practices being neighborly and, you know, in a community uh, and through the gospel. And and those things wouldn't have occurred uh, if I just wouldn't have kind of taken the steps. And I I think some of the best interviews now come from uh, contacts, you know, at least – at least, you know, context through, through someone else. So, you know, I know you're kind of starting your podcast. I, <clears throat> I was, I would suggest, you know, when you do another podcast or when you're doing the podcast for the podcast is, Hey, who could you connect me to who you might think that would be a great interview or someone that, you know, could share their story on my podcast hmm. because that intro is so much easier, right? I can, I can connect you with someone I know and say, Hey, this guy, I really like this bloke. I really like, cause there's a British term, huh? Then, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but here's a guy that I really like and, and, you know, he's doing this great job. He's got a good podcast. Why don't you, you know, you connect you to, and that's so much easier than, than throwing out a cold email. Yeah, uh, sure. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, so just this idea that, um, you know, sometimes we think bigger. I mean, one of my biggest no's early on was with a huge pastor over here. And I won't mention his name just, but the funny thing was I, I fired this email off and I got back. And of course, at the time, this was early on. Uh, I don't know how many, I may not have had, but one or two interviews. And certainly if you Googled me, I wasn't around. So I fire the email off, I get it back. And basically it says, Hey, so-and-so he, and this is from like a secretary or assistant. Um, mm. He's never going to have time in the next year and a half to actually do an interview with you. But here's a link to a couple of his videos for seventy nine dollars and or uh, some of his books that he wrote. What? Oh my god! <laughs> wow. But but, but what, what what happened too with that was my expectation of 
you know, I talked about it earlier, right? The person in front of you is the most important person. And yeah. he may not, he or she may not have a huge name, but they're the most important person. And sometimes we hook our value on who we're connected to. Yeah. Uh, People wise, as opposed to who we are in Christ, like, you know, the son, Absolutely. the sons and daughters. So when we do that, we're, we're, we're setting ourselves up for some huge disappointment and, and some prideful stuff, right? Too, because we yeah. think, oh, if we get them, I'm, I'm, I'm great. Yeah, that's so, right. I mean, wh- wh- ever since I've been doing the podcast, I um, when I started thinking about it and doing who, you know, people I wanted to interview, I wasn't, I wasn't so much interested in big names, but in people who've got great stories that I think people need to hear, you know, and people who are doing really great work that deserves to be heard about, you know. Um, and that's what I want, you know, and there's, and there's a few people I'm going to have as guests who probably people, a lot of people might not know about, but have got great stories and are doing great work. And I think that's really, really important. And it's, as you say, it's about relationship as well and investing in other people. And, you know, when you do your work, it's about creating stuff which is going to help other people. And um, so it's not about yourself. It's about everybody else. And it's not about your ego. It's about being grounded in the right place being grounded in grace, in God, and knowing that you're enough as you are. And what you do, it doesn't define who you are and doesn't define your value. Um, so I totally agree there, yeah. Yeah, Chris McAllister pretty much said it. I mean, he wrote a book called Sight Shift. I think you've read this book. And, yeah. you know, he talks about identity. And, well, you know, and he says in that book, and this is basically a quote from him, when we ground ourselves in anything that we can measure, success or failure, mm. we're just setting ourselves up for you know, just misery in a sense where, um, and he call and he calls, uh, identity first gear, you know, and he kind of likens it to a car. And if you're on level ground and if you're familiar with a, a stick shift or a manual transmission, you can, you know, shift in second gear pretty easily on flat ground, but you get any hills like, you know, for example, about 90 minutes away, San Francisco, you're not starting off in second gear on one of those big hills. And, and what he talks about in heels, in a sense, is crisis. Whenever there's there's things that kind of start to go wrong or sideways in our lives, if we're not our, our identity is not grounded, we mm. we, try, we end up trying not to you know go on that foundation, and we end up uh, in ourselves in a lot of, a lot of a lot of pain and a lot of problems um, because our identity, when it's secure in Christ, it doesn't matter what happens around us. Paul really talks about it right in Scripture. He says to live is Christ. Yeah. And to die is gain. And he got that because, I mean, you think, look at his life. His life was messed pretty, you know, once he started following Christ, he was mm. left for dead I don't know how many times. And, but he knew where it, where the finish line was, um, irrespective of, of the circumstances. Mm. And the circumstances didn't dictate who he was in Christ. And he knew that. Um, and, 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 I, and I think when, when we do that ourselves, when we realize – who we are in Christ and not, mm. uh, it has nothing to do with what we do mm. or the success we have, then we can, we, we can be okay. I, I interviewed a friend of mine, Bob Kilpatrick and Bob's been in the music ministry for over 40 years and performed in front of two people and for, performed in front of 70,000. Yeah. And he just realized, and you know, his story, he talks about this. He says, I don't want to work with people anymore that think I'm taking their place. You're, and he says this, he says, your place is secure in Christ. So James' place is secure. You're not taking my place in line. I'm not taking yours. Mm. Uh, Christ has secured that already. And 
we get we get ourselves in trouble when we when we think we're trying to compete for some piece of the pie. Well, there's the pie is infinite, right? Your your space is completely covered in Christ. You are a son. Um, you are you are the beloved. You are the favorite uh, of Christ. Uh, literally the favorite, right? You, James, you know, he, God can do that. James Pres, Prescott of Surrey, you know, uh, England is the favorite of God's. John got that. John, um, I interviewed Mark Buchanan, and Mark Buchanan talked about before Christ ever commit, you know, made a had a miracle or in his life, you know, he probably he made a couple chairs or you know a couple you know wood or whatever hammered some things together. But before he started his ministry, right, he comes out, he gets baptized by John the Baptist, and what does God say about him? He says, uh, "I'm I'm pleased. This is my son, who I'm well pleased." Yeah. He didn't do anything, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's the same. And that's the same thing with God, right? With us, He's He's pleased with us, irrespective of what we've done, because of who we are. And when we remember that, uh, and we hook our, you know, our meat into that, things can just go sideways in our lives, yeah. and we can be secure in and and who we are. Yeah, I love that. I love that um, that commentary on that story. I mean, of. And I think that's something that's something that's not said enough, actually, that that message, because I think one of the reasons that that's in there is to say to people that, you know, God, you are blessed and you are enough and um, you are beloved as you are, not for what you've done. You know, uh, because at that point, Jesus, you know, he, he hadn't done anything. Nobody, you know, nobody knew who he was in the same way that they did subsequently, you know. And yet God says that, you know, you're my beloved son and I'm pleased with you. Like, right there. And we need to we need to hear that. Uh, people need to hear that and understand that. Because that's a that's a big a big thing about grace that it's a big example of grace in a sense and where we should be grounded. So yeah, that's that's really really wise. Yeah, like you said, it's where we need to be grounded, it's our foundation. And you look at um John, right, same, same book where he describes his story with Jesus. He comes out and Christ says, you know, God says of, God, um, of his son, I'm, I'm well pleased. Um, and, and he's the only disciple who says um, that he's, uh, he's the disciple loved by Christ. I'm, you know, like I'm the favorite one. Mm. Well, it wasn't, and, and we look at it sometimes as, oh, he was just prideful. I'm just, I'm the guy who Jesus loved. No, yeah. he got it. He actually got it. He got at the fact that he was the special one. He he got it, and it didn't it didn't um, preclude anyone else. They were still that. He just he happened to get it, and that's why I think he said it. Um, yeah, I, and, yeah, I definitely get. Yeah. I mean, that's that's another example of kind of both and thinking because we like to think, well, if someone's like someone special, like someone special, that means automatically that other people aren't as special you know, or aren't equally as special, you know, but it's, I mean, it's kind of like a parent with their children, you know, it's kind of like, you don't love one more than the other, you love them both, you love them in different ways, because they're different kinds of people, but ultimately, you love them to the same, to the same kind of, I don't know, infinite degree that you would, that you, you know, there's no, there's no kind of different measure of, of um, how you love them, like, and it's the same. So, like, the John wasn't saying that. Oh, Jesus thinks I'm better. Jesus thinks I'm better than everybody else, and loves me more than everybody else. It's like that. Like I am a beloved son of of Christ, of God, 
and so is it, but so is everyone else. But I get that I am, and um, totally, yeah. Yeah, that was huge, right? I mean, he got it. Um, and I think when that truth, like you said earlier, when it starts to sink into our lives, when we start to get the fact that God really loves us, Brendan Manning is a perfect example of this, mm, right? The writer yeah. of, the, uh, of the Ragamuffin Gospel, right? He says, awesome. we're never going to be a, you know, who we should be. But even in that, when we realize that God loves us, he loves us, he loves us, and, and it has nothing to do with what we do. Zero. My kids can go out and do the worst things in the world today or do the best things in the world. They're still my kids. Hmm. Whatever they do, good, bad, or indifferent, they're still my kids. And when we get that, I think as Christians and those who walk with Christ, um, our lives can be so much better. We can kind of, I think we can kind of rest from this idea of doing stuff. I'm, I I know I mentioned uh, Mark Buchanan earlier, but he talked about it. He says, the devil's always trying to get us to do stuff prove who we are hmm. uh and it could be a podcast it could be writing it could be anything you know the hey look at me over here look i mean the selfie culture is a perfect example of this right hmm. uh, yeah, look at absolutely. an instagram someone's instagram feed sometimes and, and every other picture is of them there's 15 minutes of fame and uh because they want someone to i think they want to be long and someone to look at them and uh but that's you already do belong you don't yeah. need to do that. Absolutely, uh, yeah. And I, I've read, been reading Brene Brown recently, the um, the Gifts of Imperfection, and one of the things she talks about in that book is um, you, know, you already belong. You know, we all already belong. We need to understand that we belong. It's not about fitting in, because fitting in means that you're compromising who you are to fit in with everybody else. And they actually don't think you're worth anything. But belonging means that you accept that you are enough as you are, you don't have to be, fit in with everybody else. You can be who you are, and you belong, and you're enough, and you're and you're lovable. And you know, again, it's kind of a link back to grace again. You know, um, I, you know the whole idea of being enough and being beloved uh, as we are. Yeah, and it, it, it really seems to me that this whole idea is really where your creative um, inspiration kind of comes from. That it went for its birth. Do you know what I mean? That it's not about. I know a lot of writers who, yeah, you, know, you can tell that when they're creating stuff, they're they're actually asking people for permission. They're they're doing what they know will sell well, or what will make a lot of money, or will be popular, um, rather than listening to what's really um, in their heart. You know what they really care about, and um, you can you can see it. I think you can see that when people, and even if it does well, even if it's successful, you can tell that. You know, it's not really them. It's just something that they're doing so that they can boost their ego or get lots of money or status because that's where they're, that's ultimately where their security and identity are in numbers, in popularity, in status, all that kind of thing. Um, but certainly I know, and I've known you for a while, and um, I, know for a, I know for a fact that, you know, what you do is, is grounded out of a deep love of God and, you know, your, your identity is in Christ and your desire is to really serve others and to make a have a positive impact on other people rather than simply just grow a kingdom or, you know, be important, you know. Um, and, yeah, that servant heart's really, it's really a great example, to certainly to me and I think to a lot of other people. Well, you mentioned somebody, Brene Brown, right? Brene Brown had a video, it came out five or six years ago now, 
Hmm. Power of vulnerability, right? It was a TED Talk, and it was a local TED Talk. It was a TEDx Talk. It wasn't the big TED Talk. And then it has t- over 20 million hits, right? Hmm. Now, she did this, and she, there was there was just part of it. She just wanted to share her story. She She's a researcher. She I, I know she has a doctorate now and everything else. Hmm. So she shares this story, and she's vulnerable through the whole thing. And, we, you know, she talks about vulnerability and this idea of bravery in a sense, right, where, where – when somebody gets up on stage and shares their story, we think, oh, my goodness, they're so brave, right? And But the other, the antithesis, she asked the question before that is, uh, if I t- show you that I'm weak or tell my story, you think it's going to be weak. But then she, she flips that and says, well, don't you think if I get up here and tell, show my story? And everybody goes, yeah, that's courage. That's bravery. Well, yes. So we, mm. we, get, it, we, we get it kind of messed up. And, you know, she talks about shame and, uh, and you know, you, she studied shame first. And uh, yeah. so she got a second um, TEDx talk on, on, on shame, which hasn't got as much. But there's just some tremendous stuff in there. And, yeah. um, you know, speaking of Ashley, Ma- you know, the, the Ashley Madison hack, uh, which just happened a yeah. couple of weeks ago, you know, where uh, you could go on this site. And if you were married, you could uh, uh, have a have an affair, uh, mm. you know. Um, confidentially apparently uh, <laughs> yeah confidentially uh, yeah um but yeah you know she talks about in shame what what happens in shame uh, what grows shame is is silent secrecy and judgment yeah and what kills it though is empathy right yeah and empathy is really i mean the, the the net core of empathy is me sharing my story with you and you in a sense being able to walk in my shoes and, and vice versa. James talks about it. I think it's James five twenty, right? Confess your sins one to another, right? Yeah. So if you're, if you listen to this, you go, what do you mean sins? That sounds a little too, yeah. Um, and all that means is confess what, where you're missing the mark, right? That's what sin means. Yeah. Um, that's what it means. Yeah. So, but when I, when I come to you and I say, Hey, this is my story, right? This is mm-hmm. where I've, where I'm not, hitting the mark where I'm not hitting the bullseye and you go, shoot, Troy, I'm doing the same thing. So, right. So there's, right, there's an invitation right there in that community, as opposed to a rejection. We think there's going to be a rejection. If, if I tell you my story and what's going on in my life, the, the ugly stuff that's in the closet and things like that, mm-hmm. I think I'm going to get a rejection. But what in true community, what happens is, is you go, Oh, me too. We get these me too moments. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And, and, and I think when we embrace those things uh, and and live those out, people like Brene Brown, you look at her like you look at her story and you go, "Oh, she's so brave because she's sharing her story." Mm. Um, yeah. And, and and we have, like you said earlier, you want we want to be us people. We we want to be known, but we want to be known for who we are, not for who we think we should be known for. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Sure. Um, that's, yeah, that's so true. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, so, yeah. So if you just look back at, you know, uh, your work and what you've done and, um, what have you, what, what's one lesson that you've learned? One thing that you, that you've done that you do differently? Oh, um, you stole my question. No, this is a good question. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's, uh, that's actually what I call my second question. You know, what do you what, what do you, what do you know today that you would have you know done differently when you started? I would have started sooner. 
um, and just gone and just kind of gone for it. What's um, we get so caught up in results, and part of that part of that is is because if you go to a website, typically, you know, the hook or the buy-in is, "Hey, I've done this. You can do this." You know, I've got mm. let's say I've got twenty-five thousand people who follow me. Um, yeah. Or hook, you know, put your name in. Here's the email, or here's here's what I've done in the last two years. You can do this too, um, as opposed to saying, "Hey," but but that's 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 there's a marketing aspect to it. But but the problem with that is 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 we take we you know getting back to identity, right? We hook value into that cycle of success, whatever that is, um, and so. If, if, if we think success is this and our value is connected to it completely, then we feel that we're a failure if we don't reach that success. Um, so I would just encourage you, because for the most part, even when you read some of these people, um, you know, they've got all these quote-unquote success stories. Mm-hmm. Um, they've always got a story behind that, right? They probably took, you know, they probably had 10 failed blogs or whatever before. They probably tried this a few times. Um there's, there's not a lot of instant quote unquote success. I'm a, I, I do a lot of photography, and there's a guy named Chase, uh, Chase Jarvis, just great photographer. Oh, he's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I've had a chance to meet him because he had, he has the Creative Live uh, venue in San Francisco, so I'm able to go down there. That's when actually Jeff Goins was down there doing a class, but he happened to come in that day, and I was able to meet him. And he, he had a, a blog post. It's probably last year, maybe the year before. Um, and he says, everybody shoots crap, um, basically. Mm-hmm. And so we start out and we, we all do bad at stuff, uh, whether it's, you know, maybe it's playing sports. I know you play football, which we call soccer over here, <laughs> or, you know, yeah. you, 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 you know, you're a big fan. But every one of those players sucked at one time. They were horrible uh, yeah. because that's the way you started. So there's always this process of going through um, – I would rather have everything be instant and successful um, because that would just be cool. But I think that still, why would I want that? I think why would I want that? Because then it makes me feel better about me as a person as opposed to uh, – now, I, I, I don't have an aversion to someone being successful at all. Um, so I'll make that caveat. But but I think when we link it to our value, which is so easy to do, yeah, um, then we're in trouble. We're just – we're in trouble because we – because then our then we are then we think who who what we do is who we are and it's not. Um, yeah. It never has anything to do with what we do. So, absolutely, I totally agree. And um, yeah, so many people do link who they are what we do. I mean, I'm not just talking about um, artists or creative people either. I think you know just generally, you know, people link their value to how well they do in relationships or. Their marital status, or um, their job, or their career, whatever, whatever, whatever it is, whatever they've chosen to do, um, and so if something goes wrong in those areas of life, then they're kind of screwed, you know, and life falls apart. And that's what, you know, and it's not to say that if you're grounded in, you know, your security is in God and and uh, and just in who you are, that life will all be easy because it won't be, you know, because you know we both know that you know life is difficult and. You know that you have ups and downs and that kind of thing, um, and that's going to happen wherever you ground yourself. It's just that I think when you ground yourself in the fact that you're enough, you know, as you are, um, you've got somewhere safe to go to that when things do fall apart, 
you know that that the security you have is stronger than anything that happens to you or anything that you do or any mistake you make that it's just um because ultimately you know god is stronger than and more secure than anything else and if your security is there then whatever else happens um even if you've got nothing else left you've got that to go back to and um, I think that's really, really important. Just generally, you know. Well, what's the descriptor of uh, of who Christ is or who God is? He's the rock and the fortress, right? Mm-hmm. I mean that that, and that means that it doesn't. It's immovable. It doesn't move. And so that you know, kind of reference earlier on in the interview. You know, we talked about Chris McAllister who writes Sight Shift, right? It's that mm-hmm. first gear. It's always getting back to first gear, and yeah. and we have to remind ourselves. We have to be reminded of that. I mean, three questions that I've been working on for pastors are this: Who am I? And that never has anything to do with what we do ever. Mm. It's we are we are this we we are the saint who sins. We are the, we are his beloved. Secondly, uh, what is success? And then conversely, what is failure? And you have to define them. And we always define those. Mm. You, you have a different idea of success than I do, and you have a different idea of failure. And we always define those. But if they're not pointing back to question number one, who am I? And hinged on that. Um, we're always in, it always puts us kind of in precarious positions. And, and then thirdly, what am I called to be? Now, a lot of times we call this mission, um, or calling, but the problem is, is we always try to insert some kind of a job there, vocation or artist or whatever. Mm -hmm. But when Christ asks us the question, or when we get to the end of our lives, when we're facing him, the, the statement is going to be well done, that good and faithful servant yeah so we're called to be faithful that's what we're called to be now faithfulness doesn't mean winning doesn't mean success because we could be faithful mm-hmm. and nothing go right right we could be faithful look at job's life for example right he was faithful and everything fell apart and it, and, and and we do this we all do this right we look at someone's life and their life is just in turmoil and it's falling apart we look at them and go oh they must have something going on bad in their lives to the result of this no, it may not be that at all. And I, the oldest book in the Bible is right, Job. I mean, historically speaking. So if we look at his life and everything, he was he was a righteous guy. Yeah, uh, lost everything, and even his friend, like you said, his friends in the end are just pointing the finger at him, saying, "You know, just curse God and die. Just, yeah. just give it over with because yeah, yeah. you've done something wrong." And so that third question, you know, who am I called to be? It's faithful. And that just means faithful. It means showing up and being faithful and and not so hooked on the result. I mean, for example, Mother Teresa, right? Um, she, she died a, a few years ago now. Mm. But she worked in obscurity for like 40 years. Yeah. Uh, nobody yeah. knew who she was. And there was an English, I can't recall his name, uh, documentary filmmaker, I think in 67, right around 67 to 70, I can't remember the year. He did a film on her. And that's the only reason she got world red recognition, um, did this documentary film on what she does. Uh, and, I, and like I said earlier, I mentioned Bob Kilpatrick. He'd been to uh, her um, ministry over in Calcutta a couple times. Hmm. And he says, you know what they do? He said, someone, they, they get some money in, and they're going to die that night. Okay, they're going to literally die that night and pass. Yeah. And they clean them. They put new clothes clothes on them. They put them in a, in, in a in a bed with new linens, and they. What success is there in that? In a sense, right? They're going to die that night. Why not just leave them on the street? Mm. But they're being faithful to the call. Yeah. So 
if we can be faithful to the call in our lives, which is to be faithful, not to be something else, then we can we can carry out our mission, you know, your giftings or whatever. But it's not that's a result of being faithful. And that's not. Yeah, you know, absolutely. The vocation, the vocation isn't our calling. It's the it's to be faithful. And then when we're faithful, those gifts and stuff, and, and then, we'll, then we'll be faithful in our gifts, right? You have gifts to, you have gifts to write that I don't have, that I don't have. I, like I said earlier, I struggle with writing it, and it's, it's, it's really, it's a lot of work for me. It's turmoil. And, um, and then of course I got, like I said, I've got that, that guy inside my head that just says, this sucks. This is never going to fly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I hear it all the time. All right. Yeah. Then, why, why do I do this? I mean, yeah. uh, and then the other one is the you know kind of the grammar police kind of thing you know. And here's a <laughs> yeah. Example right, the ninety nine to one comment right, and this yeah. is how you know the ninety nine positive comments and we get one negative. And I had a friend of mine, and he and this is a few months ago when I wrote this post, and it's my I write a Monday morning encouragement post every uh, on Project Pastor, and it's short. I mean it's it's less than three hundred words and yeah. a couple practical tips, and that's it. And I put it out every week. Yeah, I love that. Is that really good? Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. And so I pop it and, and I see him and, and somebody I work with. So I see him a, a lot. And he, uh, he says, uh, I think he sent me a text and he goes, Hey, nice, nice, uh, nice post today. Um, but do you use spell check? I mean, so, so, so of course I take it. It's like, are you serious? So I spent all this time and, uh, and that's all I heard. Do you, you're, and so I associated my value with what, what I did. Um, which is never that, but it's hard. To, it's hard to separate because we're human, um, and, and God's God knows that. But he, he's still willing to write. You know, uh, I interviewed um, J.R. Briggs, and he wrote the book called Fail. And he says we're always the if we picture ourselves as the the three or five year old that can walk into the king's room and ask for a glass of water, right? Yeah. And jump. We're always that. Um, and, and if we realize that, it's like, wait a minute, I, 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 I'm the king's son. I'm the king's kid. I'm the king's daughter. I'm the beloved. I get, I get to go in, and it doesn't matter what the king is doing, who he's entertaining, whatever. Mm. Um, we have that connection, and we can say, Dad, can I have a cup of water? He goes, yeah, absolutely. Come on. Go on. Sit on my lap. Let's talk. That's a beautiful – that's a really beautiful image. Uh, that's, that's really encouraging. I think, I, you know, I think a lot of people need to hear that. I, that's um, that's fantastic. So, um, I just want to ask you about. I mean, what you? I know that you're working on. You obviously you're doing your podcast, and which is every week, I think, isn't it? Just about. Um, yeah, yeah. If, if if I'm if I'm faithful, and sometimes, like I think it was last week, I did get one out, um, and it's starting to you know get some legs, and uh, some of it's just timing and things like that, and some of it's consistency on my part, and, and trying to get them out. I. I, yeah. I I've been fortunate. I've probably interviewed between 70 and 80 and I've probably got 60 close to 60 up on iTunes. So yeah, I think yeah. I've That's gone cool. past what, you know, what most people normally if they start a podcast gotten past. So I've gotten oh, maybe over that hump of continuing on. So. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, you've got that and you've got the Monday, also you've got projectpastor.com, which is, um, and if you sign up there, you get those Monday morning encouragements, which I always laugh at because I always get them at three o'clock in, <laughs> Uh, on Monday afternoon because I'm in the UK <laughs> and the time difference is like that. <laughs> so it's yes. Monday afternoon encouragement for me. Um, uh, but they're, they're fantastic as well. And, and, but you're working on um, some other 
creative projects as well, aren't you, at the moment? So just tell us a bit about those. Yeah, um, I've been a photographer almost all my life, so I'm working on a book uh, on iPhone photography. It'll be an e-book. Um, got the intro. I did one of those, um, you know, because, and you've probably done this, right, because you're a writer. We read all the, we we, we say we don't, but we read all the writing blogs and stuff and all the tips we can get. And <laughs> yes. <laughs> how to generate more traffic and the whole nine yards. So so I was reading one and it was talking about mind mapping or something like this where you take different things and write th- different things out, which was kind of actually cool. Uh, you take like post-it notes and write these ideas and then you can start moving things around. And then you see it visually and I think it helps. And so I did that. And I think it's probably going to be about, and I, and I actually did that the other day, it's probably going to be about seven Seven chapters. It's gonna be ebook, and um, I've, I started a project not quite two years ago, over five hundred days ago, where I shot with my iPhone every day. And the purpose of the shoot with my iPhone every day was a, was first a commitment shoot every day because I don't carry my digital uh, my DSLR um, every mm. day, but I do carry my iPhone every day. So that was just to be able to see things better. Hmm. And so I've continued on and shot every day. Sometimes, and I post that up on Google Plus. I've, I've I've been on vacation this week, so I've shot every day. I haven't posted everything up this week, but I've shot every day. Yeah. Um, and uh, and obviously some of them suck, but um, it's really cool to put a picture up on my phone and have someone. And I know it now that I've shot enough where they'll go, "Oh, you shot that on your phone? No way. That's yeah. really cool. Wow." Um, so I want to, and that's part of the book is just, you know, telling other people they can shoot like that, telling them to practice, uh, the photography's art. I had a good, this is the same friend of mine that one that said, Hey, uh, you use spell check and he's a fellow photographer. We're really good friends. And I just lost the thought. That's, that's beautiful. Um, I don't even remember what I was going to say. That's <laughs> uh, the beauty of live podcasting, yeah. my friends. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that sounds. I mean, that sounds a really good project. I've seen some of those pictures as well, and they're um, they're really good, really good pictures. And it, yeah, I mean, it's amazing what you can do on iPhone nowadays. Yeah, you know, um, you know, around when I go around on the underground on my way to work, um, they have lots of pictures on the wall on the Apple adverts, but they're all photos that are taken on. Uh, um, an iPhone and the quality is incredible and um, uh, yeah. yeah it's not the camera that takes the photos so it's the person behind yeah, it Ansel Adams it? said there's two people in a, 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 a photograph you and the viewer hmm. um, yeah and so there, and there's some principles I mean there's principles of writing right if, if you do it right you know that the, 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 there's kind of a structure so if you teach people a structure it doesn't mean you can't go out of the structure Hmm. But it just means if you know the structure and, and how things, you know, perfect yeah. examples. I, I know that Donald Miller talks about this a lot about stories and stuff. And there's, so I, what does he say, seven or six or seven stories that that yeah. really permeate the whole landscape. And that's it. Um, and you, if you stay within those and that structure, uh, you, you have a good story. Um, but if you kind of venture out, sometimes those, they, they might be good works, but they're probably not going to be, you know, embraced by a lot of people because they're like quirky and they're just, we can't figure them out. So it's the same with photography. There's things called the rule of thirds and mm. uh, leading lines. And so if you understand some of the, those things and understand, okay, wait a minute, I have something that's two dimensional, but I want to make it feel three, three dimensional at times. Yeah. For, I mean, a perfect example of this is, um, if you want to show what I would call, you know, leading lines is, you know, a railroad track is a perfect example of this, right? If you shoot down on railroad track, you see it going into the distance. We both know 
size of a you know railroad or a, a, like an L train, like you have like on the underground where you can see the tracks and they're going off into the distance. So you get a sense of, of depth in space. And if you can use that technique in photography, you can, uh, you know, uh, be able to lead people into the photograph and give them a sense of depth and, uh, and space uh, on something that's, you know, two-dimensional, give them a three-dimensional. So when they, when they do that, and then, you know, if you shoot uh, like landscapes, You'll always see the really good ones have something in the foreground so you, so you know kind of how far out and then something's much further out. So those kind of techniques, if you can use those and be, be, be thoughtful of those, when you shoot, um, you'll have much better, you'll have much better um, photographs. And then if you shoot to the, the, the best uh, times to shoot in the daytime are in the um, a.m. and the p.m. So if, if you shoot at sunset and sunrise, uh, you'll you'll inevitably get better pictures. Now, it doesn't mean that if you shoot in those times, you're not going to get bad pictures either. Mm. Um, if you're not using some of the principles and, and not really thinking about what you do, the most important question before you shoot a photograph is why. Why am I shooting this? Um, well, because everybody else shot this one. Well, what do you mm. mean? Everybody else, you know, uh, probably Big Ben, I think, is probably a big place where people go and photograph in England, right? Yeah. Well, everybody yeah. there and takes a picture. Well, it's not a great reason to take a picture. How about I, I want to take a picture of Big Ben like somebody else hasn't at a different angle or yeah. uh, and, and try that. Oh, maybe I want to try it at nighttime or mm. uh, maybe, it, you know, maybe when the sun rises, I don't know what direction it is, you know, if it's in the east, west or whatever, yeah. uh, or the sunset or and how can I create a great picture doing that? Now, probably somebody else has taken that picture, but when you think about things that way, and ask the question why, you'll take much better pictures. So that's the book. Like I said, it'll be pretty. Sh it's going to be a short ebook. That way, I can change it. And, uh, and then I got a good friend of mine who's going to help me design it. Uh, a great designer. So it, it should be really, you know, it should be really appealing as far as visually, uh, picture wise, and then just design wise, uh, topography and stuff. Because he's really good at topography. That. That guy's name is Dustin Stout. He's just a tremendous Yeah, designer. I can recommend him too. He's awesome. Um, I mean, I, you know, it's interesting when you talk about photography because I, uh, the whole thing about different perspectives, um, that everyone can find their own unique... Obviously, when you're shooting a photo, you can always find your own unique perspective to take that picture. And it's just, I think it's just those, that principle applies in all creativity. You know, everything we do, uh, like me, me as a writer or, um, or somebody else as a painter or, a, you know, whatever... Um, it's all from our own perspective. We all have a unique perspective, even if some of the work might be similar or, you know, you know might be coming, making some of the same arguments even. It's all your unique perspective, and that's what makes it unique. And, um, you know, that's what I love about creativity as well, because it's, you know, there's nothing that's really the same, unless it's, unless it's a blatant copy, you know. Um, there's nothing that's really this, this exactly the same. We've all got unique stories, and we've all got unique perspectives. Um, and, yeah, so... Right. Yeah, go on. Sorry. You know, you say, um, you know, you could say, hey, Troy, write a sentence about a cow. And, and I say, James, you write a sentence about a cow. And we'll probably come up with two totally different things, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, just off the top. Um, Austin Kleon has a book called Steal Like an Artist, really good book. And he goes, and he, and, he, and he basically says, go out and study 100 really good artists in whatever field you're in. And if you just try to copy one person, he, he, uh, talks about in the book, you're gonna you're gonna be a fraud, and and it's gonna be you know, 
plagiarism. But if you study a hundred, uh, you know, you're going to get your own, whatever your own is. Um, and you'll be unique. And I think that's, a, that's another foul. We try, we try too hard to be unique. We already are unique. We don't need to try to be unique. Hmm. Um, and rather than, because I think it, it just drains us of, 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 of a lot of energy, right? Why, why put emphasis on trying to be, we, you already are, you already showed up. You already look different than everyone else. You have a different fingerprint. Hmm. God has created you to be you. Uh, so just, and that's difficult, right? Yeah, um, sure. But rest in that, that you write differently than I do. You mm-hmm. enjoy it. I don't. And that's okay. I enjoy the I, And this is the thing about writing. Somebody's probably come, oh, gosh, does Troy even like to write at all? I, I enjoy the process of what writing does. I enjoy the process of, mm. you know, encouragement and and uh, bringing people along and and. and I, I enjoy the end result of writing more so than I enjoy the process of walking through it. Yeah, um, Don, Don Miller often says that he he said he loves to have written. Um, yeah, and you know, and he's a great writer. Yeah, Don Miller, he's fantastic. I mean, I, I love his work. Um, and there are other writers I know that that say that they love the process, they love the work, they love the. I mean, I'm I'm somebody who I love to do the I love to do the work. You know, I I enjoy the process of writing, even if it's writing that nobody will ever see. I mean, I have a, a private journal, kind of private blog thing, and nobody will ever read that. And I write on that every day, and I love doing that, you know. Um, and not, it's nothing to do with, you know, what people will think of it, or because nobody will ever see it. It's just about the process of creating. Because for me, I mean, I think this is true for everyone, that when you're creating, and it's something that's really authentic, that it, um, it, it kind of unlocks stuff that's inside of you. And sometimes you don't even know what's there. And um, that's why I always love to encourage people to, to free write if they're writers, to just write without thinking, because it, it taps into uh, something that's inside of you that you didn't know was there. You know, I had a friend tell me today who I just didn't give us some advice to do some free writing. And he told me how it literally unlocked things inside of him that he didn't know was there and it really helped him deal with some things that he didn't know he had to deal with. And I think. Yeah, I mean, I always say creativity is like therapy in some ways. You know, it, it's it kind of really healing. Um, so, well, you uh, said free writing. I mean, you know, perfect example of that. I free wrote, you know, that that piece uh, that I won a writing contest with. That was something I wrote for me. I just wrote it, um, and then I thought, how? Hey, I'd, I'd like to share it because I think it's decent. Um, hmm. And where do I share it? And then the, you know, the opportunity came along. And, and Brian had his contest and I threw it in there and then he sent me an email a few days later. I put it in the last day. I didn't even know about, the, like I said, I didn't know about the writing contest. And I don't know that, you know, just because I did it that way doesn't mean that's the way you should, uh, like if I was going to use a hook and say, Hey, here's how to write, you know, win a writing <laughs> yeah, contest. Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't, you know, that's, but like I said, I, I turned it in the last day of the, the contest and he get a hold of me a few days later and says, Hey, you won. And there were three people, you know, there were three, uh, there was first through third. I thought, well, I won. Well, I wanted to email him back and say, well, did I win first, second, or third? I didn't know what that meant, you know. But mm. I, I thought that might be a little presumptuous. I'll just wait until he gets back home with me. But that wouldn't have happened if I just didn't write. And so write yeah. something for me. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that's the point, isn't it? I mean, I, I've read that piece, and it was one of your – I think it was one of your best pieces, you know, because – and it, it sounded like you. It sounded like your heart, literally. Um, not that, not that your other stuff doesn't, because your other stuff is really good, really wise. And uh, again, I'd recommend it to people, you know. But there's something about that piece that was kind of um, 
it was a lot it was a lot more intimate i think it was a lot more um i could hear you speaking when i read it it was um and i, I think that's the i mean i love that kind of writing you know i think that's that kind of stuff is you know the stuff that people benefit from hearing the most and actually the stuff that you know it's our best work you know um and but there's nothing wrong with other work i'm not i'm not criticizing anything else you know there's a lot of value in other kinds of writing um i just think that those kind of things can really you know they're the most kind of honest work that we'll do you know um and the most important work that we'll do probably because um well i think it's it's tougher to when you have something you you know you're committed to to doing it's i think it's much easier or not much easier but much more difficult to walk through those because those are things you have to do mm. um and then there's an expectation of what those things are. So now you've got some, doesn't mean that there's a lot of room in there to do a bunch of different creative things. But I think because of some of the structure, you probably get more structured writing as mm. opposed to, like you said, free writing. Um, and I don't know how to, you know, cause, cause some of those, you know, so, you know, for example, some on money, money, morning stuff, some of those things just come to me. And then other times it's just a grind mm. um, to get them. And but 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 a good friend of you, you and me, his name is Josh Irby, and he told me this, and it really kind of freed me up. He says, "Troy, it's just yeah. the blog post. That's it." Yeah. It, I mean, yeah. it's and, and and kind of letting things go because I mean, early on when I I mean I was struggling. I, I put out things every week, you know on a weekly basis. And I've been consistent about it. I haven't missed Monday and, you know, probably not quite two years, but, and so of course my first one and to, to my last one, I'm sure there's been improvement and then there's been ones that suck and then ones that are pretty good and the ones that are, you know, kind of just run of the mill. And I think most of the time they fall within whatever your kind of writing kind of style niche and um, kind of messages. I think they probably do. There's probably a few themes that I cover um, because that's me. Hmm. Um, and, but just to realize, Hey, uh, this might be, cause sometimes I, I put stuff out and it's like, Oh, this thing is just, this thing's not going to fly. And then I'll get some response back and somebody says, Hey, I really enjoyed this. Or I'm like, Oh wow. That didn't feel like a, a, you know, good one to me. But like I said, Josh said that and just kind of freed me up and said, okay, I'm going to write every week, be consistent and show up. Hmm. And uh, if somebody reads it, they read it. If they don't, they don't. Um, I can't control that anyways. Even if it was the best piece I ever wrote in my life, doesn't mean that six billion people are going to read it anyways. So, And, uh, you know, you talk about Donald Miller. I was watching him in a short video, and he says, uh, I don't know who, what, writing, what writer he was talking Oh, he says, you're not John Steinbeck as a kind of saying, you're not the best writer in the world kind of thing. But I think if we embrace that in the right way, right, you're not, um, you're not, you're you. So yeah. embrace that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, totally, totally embrace that. And then you don't have to, then you're not fighting uh, some comparison. You're never going to be Shakespeare or Steinbeck, like, like he said. Um, and, and that's okay. But if you, if you embrace you know, completely who you are and your quirks and like, like we talked about earlier, Brene Brown, uh, your vulnerability and your, you know, your weaknesses and, and share those. Uh, like mm -hmm. you said, people will embrace that and 
you know, that was part of the, the, the thing too, when I wrote, like, you know, we, we talked about that piece, um, you know, why write? Um, cause people could hear that. It's like, Oh, I understand the pain that you go through, you know, cause I think I opened that thing, you know, and I, I, and I referenced you, but I didn't use your name. I said, I have a friend who loves to write me. Not so much. It's, <laughs> it's like pain, you know, not, not, not bleeding, not literally, but, yeah. but that's, yeah, that's, what yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I, I think when we, you know, and just embrace who we are and know who we are, uh, it, that, that foundation, like we, I know we've talked about it a couple of times. It's just this, it, it, it makes us, it, I, I think what happens is, is we start to, we start to become at ease with a lot of other stuff. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you think about a kid, a small kid, uh, do you think they're worried about a house over their head or anything else or money or they're just like, does dad and mom love me? Yeah. Can I go jump up in their arms? <laughs> what did, what did Jesus say? He says, if they don't, if you don't come to me like a little kid, yeah, that's, that's so, so we have that really simple kind of faith and go, okay. Uh, okay, God. Yeah. Uh, I, I know you got, uh, this doesn't look, you know, uh, well to me or, you know, it's not turning out the way I want to, but I know who you are and because of who you are, who I am. And I'm just going to rest in that and everything else can go sideways and I'm going to be okay because I'm yeah. going to be in your arms. Because yeah. as Paul says, right, to live, I'll, to live is Christ, to die, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it's a bonus. So. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it goes back to where we began really, which is, you know, you're enough and you belong and you're lovable and you're loved and accepted just as you are with all your imperfections, with all your insecurities and fears and doubts and and mistakes and everything, you just, you're enough, you know, you are my beloved child, you know, and I'm pleased with you as you are, you know. Um, that's where it all kind of begins and ends in a sense, you know, it's kind of, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, in a hundred years' time, we'll be, you know, dead and gone and, you know, and there'll be other people doing things and other people, you know, we might have been forgotten about, you know, and but we'll have been faithful. You know, we'll have done what we were we're here to do. We'll have been faithful to what God made us to do, and and that and you know, and, I mean, I mean, I, I was going to say that's enough, but we're enough before we even did that. You know, even if we weren't faithful, we were, we're enough. You know, and that's an amazing thing. I mean, that's 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 why grace is so scandalous. You know, that we're we're enough, and um, yeah. Well, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on here. It's been so much, um, so much wisdom, so much encouragement, so much uh, knowledge and experience there. It's just been fantastic. And um, um, yeah, thank you for all of that. And um, we'll definitely have to get you back on here another time. And, and I'm excited about that. <laughs> and um, so yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on. And. Uh, yeah, so that was uh, Troy McLaughlin, and you can find him on um, online at projectpasta.com and Twitter at projectpasta. And um, yeah, he's got his book coming out soon, and yeah, we'll let you know how he, how you can get hold of that. And um, yeah, so thanks, Troy.
Hey, James, thanks for, for having me on. I appreciate it. And hopefully it was uh, good for you. I, I enjoyed it and enjoyed the questions. And hopefully I didn't talk over you any time or too much. And uh, no, hopefully uh, hopefully others will enjoy this podcast. And hey, if you are listening today to James Talks podcast, uh, go, go to his website too. This guy's a great writer. Um, I love him. He's a dear friend. But um, it's not just because uh, because he is. I'm promoting him as a writer. This guy can write circles around me. Uh, like I said, I, it's just a pain for me, and uh, it's a pleasure for him, and you, you can tell him he's writing. He's a great writer. He's written multiple books already, I mean, which is pretty cool. And I know he's got a, he's got a book on Grace coming out, I think, later on this year or the first of next year. So. Yeah, it's in, uh, it'll Stay be t- 2000 and, 2016 that's coming out, yeah. So, um, yeah, and I'll let everyone know about that as well, and uh, maybe some of you can help me launch that book. But. Yeah, uh, I should tell you, that, <laughs> now Troy's mentioned that, I'll mention that I'm working on a book on grace, um, and we're thinking it's going to be called Mosaic of Grace, um, and I'm working on it with my editor at the moment, it's very exciting, I'm very excited about it, and I'm looking forward to sharing that with you, and that'll be, that will be 2016, um, and yeah, that's going to be fantastic. So, um, yeah, so thanks Troy, and thanks for the nice encouragement there at the end, that's really appreciate that. that. Um, so... Uh, Take care, everyone, and we will talk soon.